For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. You've tuned in to the 49ers Rush Podcast, and here is your host, John Chapman. All right, welcome to another 49ers Rush Podcast. This one is going to be a little bit less hope-filled than the previous six of the season. Man, there is not a team that I hate more than the Cowboys. I, I don't hate the Seahawks more than the Cowboys, the Raiders. And I know as a 49ers fan, like... You're supposed to hate the Seahawks and the Raiders, and I understand that. But I grew up in Dallas my entire life, and I chose the 49ers because I could not stand the way in which my family rooted for the Cowboys. They were the worst fair-weather fans in the world. And so for me, whenever I see 49ers-Cowboys circled on the calendar, I am 100% against the goddamn Cowboys. They are awful. They're terrible. You, you throw in that Ezekiel Elliott girlfriend beater jerry jones the worst human being on the face of planet earth and it's not even close but anyway we get destroyed 40 to 10 at home and i am so pissed off right now it is a rough day for john chapman but that's all right let's go through this uh let's find mvps of both the offense and defensive side of the ball and something to look forward to that's the key here because it's not easy this week. The last few weeks, 100%. Uh, I, I've been so excited about Ruben Foster coming back. And, oh, man, he played great, but it did not end well. So let, let's go through this. 40-10 loss at home. Ugh. And I'll say this, too. Uh, before this game, the 49ers were the only team in the NFL to be 6-0 and against the spread. Vegas spread, that is. And so you know, we played every game close. We, we have been so close so many times, but not this week. We had a six-and-a-half-point spread at home, which is just a total insult. And then you add into that, well, we did, definitely didn't cover the spread. So on offense, we gave up five sacks for 48 yards and three turnovers. All right, so right off the bat, if you ever go into a game, strip, game script and say, okay, you're going to give up five sacks, and three turnovers. Oh, and by the way, you're not going to force any turnovers. I would bet a million dollars. I don't have a million dollars, obviously. But if I did, I would bet every single time on the team against that. If you give up five sacks and three turnovers, you are going to lose. And we followed suit. We cannot be sacked that much. Also, not only did we not force a turnover in this game, we didn't get one sack in this game. There's no way to win with this formula. So let's go through. Let's break it down. If I had to pick an MVP candidate for the offense, I'd say Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde has been great. He goes 14 touches or 14 carries for 68 yards and eight targets. He had a 50% catch rate, four catches for 20 yards. And here's the deal. 
if Carlos Hyde gets 20 or more carries, not touches, and we win or don't lose the turnover battle, then we win a game. I, I think that is our recipe for success, but we just have not achieved that once this season. Now, Carlos Hyde had 4.9 yards per carry, and that's who he's been his entire career, and that's phenomenal. Like, if you could say to any NFL team, hey, your starting running back's only going to have 4.9 yards per carry, everybody would jump out of their socks and say, oh my goodness, we have an amazing chance to win, but not with the 49ers. Uh, that this is not really who we are. So we have Carlos Hyde, who led our team in targets with eight, alongside Marquise Goodwin, who had eight targets as well. And again, a 50% catch rate, four catches, 80 yards. He had a couple big plays, which were gigantic. We need that guy to perform. But the guy that should have led our team in targets, 100% every game, every week, is Pierre Garçon. He did not again. He had seven targets. He had five catches for 49 yards. And I think, personally... Pierre Garçon is our best player on offense. We have to force feed this guy the ball because not only does he catch everything that goes his way, he imposes his will physically upon the defender. And he kind of sets the tone, but we didn't get that done. Now, this was the very first start of CJ Bethard, or sorry, CJ Bethard. Sorry, Iowa fans. I'm sorry I'm reading my Twitter feed on how I pronounce his name wrong, but that's okay. CJ Bethard comes in. And absolutely not bad. Um, 265 yards total offense. He had five rushes, 30 yards, and a rushing touchdown. Now, the thing is, he didn't throw any interceptions, which is so great. But he was sacked five times. Of those five sacks, three of them he could have checked down just fine. And this was the same problem that we had with Bobby uh, Brian Hoyer. So this has to be fixed. Our offensive line is great in pass protection, but not a six-second great. <laughs> we need 1,000, unload the ball. We are not the type of offense that can just sit back there and cherry-pick defenders or offensive receivers getting behind defenders. It's just not who we are. That's, we're not going to be that team. Now, he also had two fumbles lost on these sacks, and so you can't do that. You cannot have two forced fumbles on sacks and still win a game as a quarterback and not throw one touchdown pass. So let's talk about his rating and what's the difference between CJ uh, Bethard and Brian Hoyer. He had a 21 QBR and his rating was lower than anything Brian Hoyer had put up this year besides the very first week and that was against the Carolina Panthers. So you have five games of Hoyer above and one game below what C.J. Beathard did this week. So you're not going to win with that, and we understand that, but let's face the facts. We are definitely not a playoff team at 0-7. It's not happening. This is a prepare for the future. So stay with us, and I'm going to get to some fun positive. <laughs> that positive uh, the future is positive for the 49ers if you stay through this podcast, okay? Uh, Trent Taylor, he steps up. Uh, he had five targets. And for five catches and 39 yards, you can't ask for anything better than that. Now, his fumble on the opening punt return basically destroyed and sabotaged the entire game. But as a receiver, he's playing wonderful. Garrett Selleck, I think, had the worst game he's ever had in his entire NFL career. Four different plays. Um, I saw that the, the guy he was assigned to blocking just completely 
dominated him, and it was not close. A lot of times it was Demarcus Lawrence, so they put him to the strong side, thinking that the tackle and the tight end would be able to control Demarcus Lawrence, and it wasn't even close. That guy ran muck shop over our team. Lakin Tomlinson had another bad game, which is awful because we need that guy to succeed. We really, really do. If he continues to play at a high level, our offense works just fine. But week in and week out, he is either the average or the worst, and that's just not going to win it. Now, we're going to get Josh Garnett back eventually next year, but we really need both guards to solidify themselves. And Fusco is not a viable option for the future. So he's playing right now, and he's just kind of the duct tape, but he's not going to help us win games. Lakin Tomlinson, I think he can help us win games. So he's just got to step up his gameplay. Now, let's move over real quick to the defensive side. Zero sacks, as I said. Zero turnovers. If you get zero sacks and force zero turnovers, you're not going to win a football game. We give up 265 yards rushing, 6.2 yards per rush. This is the defense of 2016, which was the worst in the decade of the past NFL defensive played. So we cannot have this. And there's a lot of contributing factors to this. Reuben Foster, whenever he was out there and healthy, he played great. He had five tackles, one tackle for loss. It was so beautiful. It was, an, it was a run ISO play, which we defensively schemed perfectly to where Reuben Foster was not only manned up with um, Ezekiel Elliott, but we covered all five of their defensive or offensive linemen. So that's basically one-on-one. -on -one. And Reuben Foster played it perfectly. Our defensive lineman played it perfectly. And he met him on the backfield and tackled him for a two-yard loss. The unfortunate thing is we didn't run that defensive scheme a lot of times. And the Cowboys, you got to get hats off to them. They saw our alignment in that. And what it was was basically a pro set. It was a defensive pro set. And we walked up our safety to cover the tight end. So all six linemen were completely covered. And they said, all right, let's just not do that again. So after that, they split out Jason Witten, which forced us out of our defensive alignment, and they completely exploited our defense after that. So hats off to them. We game-planned perfectly, but they adjusted better than we game-planned, and that cost us big time. Now, Ruben Foster played great. He got hurt. Um, is his ribs or his lower back? Um, there's two different stories out there, but he made a great play. And he came out, uh, went to the sideline. They checked on him, checked on him. They sent him back in, which was this st so stupid on Kyle Shanahan's part. Do not put him back in whenever you're down 30-3. to three. Don't do that. But anyway, we sent him back in. He goes in, and you could see after every single play, he's holding his lower back like an old man and walking gingerly because he is in straight pain. Now, Reuben Foster is the guy that's been waiting to get out there on the field and is biting at the nails to play football, but we put him at a huge disadvantage. And when they were on the goal line, it was a zone read play, and Reuben Foster dove for Dak Prescott and missed him, but landed awkwardly on his hip. Dak Prescott goes in for the touchdown, but you could see at that point, like it was 100% over for Reuben Foster. And so we probably complicated a minor injury into a major injury because the coaching staff was feeling proud. I don't understand. But we should not have put that guy in there. He should not have continued to play. And I will say this. This is the worst coach football game for the 49ers in the past two years. 
and I put this over the Chip Kelly era. This was the worst executed game plan and coached football game by a 49ers coach in the past two years. It was awful. And whenever we were down 20-3 to and we could, could have kicked a field goal and made it a two-possession game, and the momentum was on our side right after the half, uh, out of halftime, and we chose not to do that. We chose to go for it on fourth and three. And not only did we choose to go for it on fourth and three, we chose to isolate an undrafted free agent, Victor Baldwin, Bolden, against a freaking Pro Bowl two years removed linebacker, and it didn't work out. Oh, hashtag surprised and man coverage. Really? Like, that was so stupid. And the very next play, you see the 49ers defense walk out there completely demoralized, flat, and we gave up a 72-yard touchdown screen to Ezekiel Elliott. That was 100% coaching, 100% on Kyle Shanahan. I love Kyle Shanahan. He's still the, the coach I want, but that dude needs to mature quick because he is making so many immature, irrational decisions that is hurting our team. There's no way we're going to win this game. Even if we kick the field goal and it's 20-6, to we're not winning the football game. But... We are an emotional team. We are a young team, and we ride that momentum wave. And whenever you have a chance to impact in a positive way that momentum, you do that. Probably our best player on our team is our kicker. He's missed one field goal the entire season. We've kicked a lot of field goals. So you you roll with gold, and you keep your team in the chance. But whenever you decide in the third quarter with over 12 minutes left in the third quarter that we are now out of the game, that is not beneficial to your young football team, especially with all the rookies you have. You have to convince them there's a chance we are still fighting for something. And when we missed that, whenever we chose to go for it on fourth and three and not kick the field goal, it was over. At that point, the game was 100% over. And that hopefully Shanahan learns from this because you have to keep them believing in something, especially whenever you have a team that fights as hard as the 49ers do. Because after we chose to go for it on fourth and three, the fight was gone. So let's continue with our defense. Uh, Solomon Thomas, I think probably his worst game as a pro. Last week he was nominated for Defensive Rookie of the Week. This week, only one tackle. He cannot sustain positive gains. He's had a positive game, bad game. Positive game, bad game. Positive game, bad game. And that's just what it means to be a pro. You have to hit every single week and he is not to that point yet he is awful at keeping outside contain as a run edge defender his favorite thing to do is shoot inside which is everything that he ever did at stanford because at stanford when he aligned outside he'd shoot inside against the tackle and the linebacker would scrape over the edge well we're not running that same defense. So he shoots inside, and there is nobody on the outside. Usually it's Jaquiski Tart. This week we also rolled up Eric Reed in that linebacker force roll on the edge, and he didn't do very well with it either. And so there's a huge scheme issue. Um, again, not to we already said we didn't get any sacks. So if you are shooting for pressure and losing gap integrity, you, that's a recipe for disaster. DeForest Buckner, five solar tackles. Again, if, if you watch the film, you can see how great this kid is. And he probably should have deserved our MVP, but I feel like he's gotten it every week. So I'm giving the MVP to Dante Johnson, our cornerback. He led our team in tackles. He had seven tackles and balled out in coverage. His contested 
He contests the receiver on every route. He never gets burned. He is always close. And just he's the best secondary player we have. Him and Kerwin Williams, which Kerwin Williams got banged up this week, but he is playing exceptional ball. Him and DeForest Buckner. So I'm giving the MVP to Dante Johnson. Now let's talk about some guys that didn't play well. Rashard Robinson. I'm so tired of this guy wearing a 49ers uniform. He is awful. Two things happen with Rashard Robinson every play. Number one, he gets a penalty. Number two, he gets burned, but maybe the ball is overthrown or penalty or something, and he still talks trash after he gets burned. He had two penalties against him again in this game, and he is third in the entire NFL for most penalties against. He is third in the entire NFL for most yards penalized. You can't win with this guy. He does not understand football. He needs to go through a football tutoring session, which I've said several times. You can't complain about a pass interference call if you don't turn around and play the ball. You can't hold a defender 15 yards downfield. These are simple things, Richard Robinson. Your competitiveness is great, but your intelligence is shit. So fix that. Eric Reed played linebacker, didn't play great. Jimmy Ward, he needs to move to corner. He really, really does. Um, he's played free safety. He got injured with the hamstring thing right off on the conditioning test in the preseason. And he has sh- failed to show up in the stat sheet and on film. He does not make main plays. He needs to play cornerback. We need a corner, and we need to figure out free safety because he is not he's not showing up. And so this is a huge flaw. Um, I really, really wish we had a strong, a, a great free safety. We just don't have one. Um, Adrian Colbert, we put him in uh, in the second half, and he played great. He's basically a poor man's Jaquiski Tart. He wants to come up and just lay people out. He's a really fast linebacker is basically what he is, but he's suspect in run coverage and you, or pass coverage. You saw this whenever you had Rashard Robinson playing man-on-man with Des Bryant on the five-yard line going into score, and you had Colbert rolled over the top, and you see him yelling at each other as the play is snapped, and Rashard Robinson played awful press man. He didn't even get a hand on Des Bryant in the goal line and gave up a touchdown, Des Bryant, and then turned and yelled at Adrian Colbert. Like, if you're in man coverage or bump and run and you don't touch the receiver, namely Des Bryant, that's not the safety's fault. But anyway, Rashard Robinson sucks. I really want this guy off my team. He, I can't stand that guy. Injuries, we talked about Reuben Foster. I think he's going to be all right. I really, really do. Hopefully it's just a rib injury and you just have to play through the pain, which sucks. I'm not playing through it, so I can say that. Um, he's the future of our defense, and he has shown how great he can be. It's just if he stays healthy. He's played two games and got hurt twice. Not that he's like injury um, plagued or any of those things, but he's got to show it. He plays very, very physical, and that's just part of it. So he's got to play through those injuries and make it work. Trent Brown went out with a concussion. Huge injury. Trent Brown is probably one of the top three most vital people to the 49ers moving forward, so hopefully he gets cleared early. Now, here's the deal. Let's talk just a little bit about who we are. One, the 49ers are the most penalized team in the entire NFL. We have lost the penalties seven straight weeks. We have lost the games seven straight weeks. We are tied with the Browns. We have 58 penalties against. That is terrible. That is absolutely awful. We have to fix that, and a lot of that's just coaching. We have to coach better and coach technique, and Rashard Robinson's half the problem. 
If we got rid of Rashard Robinson and he wasn't on the field, we would be the 14th most penalized team, which still sucks. And you want to be on the positive side of that, 16 or better. But that's how terrible Rashard Robinson is. Now, let's get to a little bit of the positive things. Next year, we are projected to have the most cap space of the entire NFL with 117.8 million cap space in 2008 now that number is going to fluctuate and going to change definitely especially with injuries possible cuts so on and so forth but we are number one with cap space next year as of now so if you go one two three four all the way down to that fifth team which is washington the redskins which is very very important we have twice as much cap space as the fifth team in the entire nfl so if we're wanting to go out and sign some high-priced free agents, we have more than enough room. So if we want to sign Kirk Cousins, man, if it's a bidding war between us and Washington, it's not a bidding war. We can so overpay for him. Not saying we should do that, but that option is there. So if moving forward, C.J. Bethard, Bethard, sorry, C.J. Bethard does not improve to the point of looking like a future quarterback, we could sign Kirk Cousins or A.J. McCarron, or Jeremy or Garoppolo, or any of these different guys, and then we could spend a high, because we're going to be picking in the top five again, hashtag spoiler alert, and we could get a stud playmaker, somebody like Cortland Sutland out of SMU, um, Cameron Ridley out of uh, Alabama. There's so many different guys. Saquon Barkley, the running back for Penn State. There's so many options. We have our pick and choice because worst case scenario right now, we're picking out of the top three. That's just who the 49ers are. I think we all know that now. Now, next week, we play Philly, and it's at Philly. Big surprise. We always play on the road. <laughs> it's been a rough start for us. Now, the good thing about playing at Philly is they play Monday night this week. So we played back-to-back games against teams coming off a of bye week. Philly plays Monday night, so we're seeing them on an extra day of rest. The entire 49ers team gets to sit back and watch the Philly game tomorrow night against Washington, and we get a kind of game plan a little bit earlier. So we're going to have a little bit more rest, and we're going to have a little bit of a game plan advantage. We'll see how that folds out. So hopefully we step up and we get our first win. We got to win a football game. We are not a t- as bad a team as 0-7. So hopefully we step it up. We get our first win. C.J. Beathard steps up. Maybe if I could say his name correctly on the first try, we will win a game. But there are good things in store for the 49ers. This season is over for us, but we are constantly building. What's our team's motto? Brick by brick. If we can stay healthy and build upon solid defensive and offensive starts, we will win. Again, So here are the keys next week. We don't lose the penalty battle. Carlos Hyde gets 20-plus carries. We don't lose the turnover battle. We win the game. So keep that in mind. Give me a follow on JL underscore Chapman. Can't wait to hear from you guys. If you have any questions about the Niners or position battles or any of those things, please reach out. JL underscore Chapman. You guys take care, faithful. Have a great week. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.